Check your gas, unwrap your ETH, and total on. It's the DCA Cast, the best podcast for all you digital crypto art lovers and creators. Each week, we'll introduce you to the best and brightest digital crypto artists and collectors and give you the rundown on what's happening now and what's happening next in the world of NFTs. And if you have no idea what the fuck NFTs are, that's okay. Stick around and you'll be an expert before you know it. Now, 721, your ERC. It's time, time for, for the DCA cast. Hi, my name is Trenton Bennett, and today we're talking to Christelle Bashara. She is a pioneer in digital art and NFTs, and in particular, she works with in the physical world with oil, acrylic, gicle and uses a series of stencil-like drawings. She's received a great deal of acclaim, having been interviewed by Friday Magazine, Marie Claire, featured in Wired and Forbes. And in 2018, she won the UAE Resident Artist Award for her series Beauty in Diversity. So, hi, Crystal. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Trenton. I'm happy to be with you. <laughs> we are glad to have you here. And what I'd like to do for our listeners is please tell us a little bit about your history and getting into art and, and your journey. Well, uh, art uh, was part of my life ever since I was a child, actually. My dad was a, a surrealist artist and sculptor himself, so I was always uh, encouraged to express myself through art, especially because you would always find me drawing and coloring and painting. So I grew up experimenting with different styles and medium. Obviously, I didn't have something that I really... Um, like a style that is unique that I love to work with and but I was just experimenting just uh, you know practicing learning basics and all that uh, when I went into college I, I, I majored in graphic design so it was a new field uh, I thought it um, it's easier to get a job that, that was thinking that fine art doesn't get you uh, a proper job. And so I went into graphic design. It's, it was the closest thing to fine art uh, in terms of uh, getting a career in that. And um, after like a couple of years uh, working as a designer, uh, I got a really good experience in the softwares and uh, I actually enjoyed the field. However, I always wanted to go back to the traditional art, traditional painting and um, but I wanted to create something unique. And actually, my transition from a, uh, an art hobbyist to a professional artist started around uh, 14 years ago when I moved to Dubai. And this is where I uh, worked on a new style, let's say, uh, a, a process that works for me, uh, combining my love of drawing, painting, and the use of softwares that I have um, mastered during the years of uh, working with uh, these digital programs. And I combined them all, created a process that works for me. And this is how my style became, be, began. And like four years ago, I launched it and I started like a full-time artist. I started um, creating series, working with galleries all over the world from Japan to France, Italy, and Belgium. And six months ago, I started with the NFTs as well. That's fantastic. It really is because 
Uh, I also have a, an art degree that is studio art, and I went through a similar process of, well, you paint like this, you sculpt like this. And as I did work in commercial art, like you, but decades before, I, I learned the same kind of lessons where I'm like, wait a minute, these techniques still create the same visual effect. The difference is it's amazing that you've come up with this process, which, as I understand from what I was reading uh, on a couple of different profiles about you, you do these, you do kind of a stencil and then you mix in oil and acrylic, and then G-clay is the last bit. Can we talk a minute about how that works, what that's like? So the thing is, what I do is I draw digitally, and these are the ones that I print on canvas, the G-clay print on canvas, and I do that as a limited editions, and these are very popular because they are more affordable than the oil or acrylic painted ones, okay? So in the same style that I work, I work with simple monochrome colors for the whole composition. And one part of the painting is full of patterns, colors, and very little details put together. I wrap one part of this figure or composition or this uh, part of the painting. And this is where you ha I have the contrast between all the colors and then the monotone colors. Uh, these, this contrast Contrast is very powerful, yet it's balanced in a way. Nothing is uh, uh, overpowering the other part of the painting. So what I've what I've I figured out with this style, with this process, is how to draw digitally and at the same time paint hand painted unique paintings. So I started working with both digital uh, limited editions. And I used to print them on canvas so that people can have the artwork and hang them at home. And then I used to have the originals painted, uh, the acrylic ones, part of series or uh, whenever if someone wants a commission. So I, I do that as well. And that's it's amazing. For those of you who don't know, we'll talk about the website at the end as well. But mm -hmm. atelierchristel.com. And I'll spell that out later. But the point is, when you look through the series on the website, the one that grabbed me was the superheroes because I immediately had that larger-than-life impact you described looking at, for example, the Wonder Woman really just jumped out at me. But it wasn't yeah. overwhelming. It was just it grabs your attention and you're just drawn in. It was yeah. really, really cool. So, yeah, the, the clash of colors is, you know, from far, but as you get closer to the painting, you can see all the small details. And this is really nice as well. So I, I, you have this too. Yeah. <laughs> I like that because if you think of Lichtenstein, who used to do big paintings yeah. of comic panels, when you get close, you don't get that same magic that your work does. You you get close and go, well, now it's just a bunch of dots and my eyes don't <laughs> pick up that bigger yeah. story. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so yes, and so over years, uh, working with the two mediums, the traditional paint and the digital art, uh, I used to always have to defend my uh, digital art, right? Uh, so people have the misconception that digital art is somehow uh, less value than the painted ones, the traditional paint, because it maybe takes less time. They think maybe it's uh, the software helps you in a way to create them, which is not the case, obviously. And so there's this misconception. Plus, because I can create many of the same artwork. Um, I, I like to have it limited to 25 to tell them that it is still unique. 
it's all all over the world you will only find 25 it's not gonna it is hand uh, signed you have a certificate of authenticity so i tried to really uh build around this uh product this artwork this series of limited editions to make it more like people it's 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 very popular and i'm telling you the galleries i worked with they all bought the limited editions to resell them you know because it's easier to sell and uh, but then you have to convince them that this is also art it's not just for decoration this is an artwork it's i've done it the same way i do the painted ones this is the same style they have stories they have backgrounds behind them so they have the creative thinking that comes into it. It's not computerized. Yeah. And I'd like to urge our listeners to stop by the website and look, because as Crystal is saying, she tells the stories and they're really amazing breakdowns of the visuals. I was looking at your Beauty and DeFi series, for example, and your description of exactly what's going on there was just brilliant because it told that bigger story that I could see the pieces but when you explain how they fit together, there's this great aha moment where you get the whole intention of the piece, and it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah, whenever the more you talk about what's happening in the composition and the painting, the more and the artwork, so people might have a different views when they look at it. But then they will see my point of view of and the message I'm showing in this uh, artwork. Uh, I always like, for example, for my series Psychomachia. These are all uh, um, acrylics on canvas. And I tried to, they are a series of 26 paintings. What I've done is like a whole map at the end and linking them to each other to see how they all fit together, how to they all form a big story, you know? So, uh, yeah, I always like to tell stories, obviously. Very cool. And tell us a little bit about also that beauty in DeFi, which is, for those of you who don't know, decentralized finance. Tell us more about the, the story behind that series. So this series is um, purely NFT artworks. This is my obviously my first. I started building this series uh, early this year and launched it in March on Foundation. I have now 21 artworks. And 19 of them are sold out. And uh, I just listed two of them this week. So this series is all about the crypto world, is about the lexicon of um, the crypto world, obviously. Uh, so each terminology, they are new, they are fun, they are different than, um, than what I used to work with. And uh, it's, it's new for everybody, I think, uh, the, the crypto world, and especially now with NFTs and how art is adopt has adopted this technology. So um, these terms are really fun to work with and just to see how, like if you tell me to the moon or mooning, how, how do I picture it? Yeah. So I don't picture it like uh, they, how they uh, use it. It's not the same uh, or blockchain. It's not how I see it in my mind. So this is what I'm trying to show in this series. It's how I see these terms. <laughs> It's really neat how you do a personification of all of the lingo because, of course, yeah. people trying to take all of this in, it can get, <laughs> it can get very confusing. It, it is the you know it's a, it's very overwhelming and uh, uh, when I started hearing about NFTs, it was early this year and in February, some a friend of mine just explained it uh, briefly, simply to me and. Um, 
because I worked with digital art, it's been years that I'm really, it's hard for me to keep explaining. And, and I had to show my acrylics and my skills that I do both. So it was always um, annoying for me to have to dis- just talk about my digital art. When he said that this is, that these smart contracts, they give a digital asset or a digital artwork in your in my case uh, the uniqueness and it's now it can be owned by only one person so this was a no-brainer for me i had to understand this technology and um, and just i needed it you right so it was like finally i this is something that i really need and it's now here it's a bit overwhelming uh, very complex and not easy to talk about, not easy to explain, but I wanted to just understand at least to start with. And just and now, like six months from there, and I feel like it's been years I've been creating uh, NFTs, which is not obviously, but you learn a lot every day, something new and how it's evolving. Um, and this is how my series is evolving as well and how I'm seeing my art moving with this uh, technology. It's it's amazing because we were talking on an earlier episode with the CMO of DeviantArt, and one of the challenges that I had mentioned is that as a digital artist, it's very difficult, as you say, to convince people of the value so they understand that there's still a lot of work and, and effort into it, but also the uniqueness of it because in the case of my daughter, she had a problem with people just running off with her artwork and claiming it was theirs after she had done all of the work. It's very frustrating. So it's really nice to hear that you're able to move into this space that sets up its uniqueness, its specialness by saying, this is my original work and here is a blockchain validation to guarantee that. Yes, and then uh, uh, and no one can edit this, uh, this right? It's code and uh, you can see, you can build the provenance. Even for my physical art, some people are asking are asking to create an NFT, which, is, which I'm happy to do, even if it's a physical uh, or a, uh, an acrylic painting, you know, because for me, it's preserve, it reserves my uh, royalty fees uh, later on. If he decides to sell it, uh, I can get royalty fees. Uh, usually in the real world, you don't get this. You don't even know where your art ends up, right? Yeah, and, that's that's an amazingly different model. I hadn't even thought about that, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a, how it's opened up a new market to trade with digital art. That's, it's fascinating how, you know, it's a whole new, it's not even a world, it's a metaverse. And then the, how you can exper- experiment uh, in this new world. And uh, it's, it's really nice. It's really creative. It's, uh, yeah, I'm very excited and bullish. <laughs> And speaking of which, because of a lot of what you're saying has to do with the actual business of being a creative artist, where you're managing it, would you yeah. give advice? What what sort of advice would you give to a digital artist who wants to move into the NFT space as far as what they should know from a business perspective? Do you think they need to learn a little bit about business in general? or? Uh, you know, I always thought about my art, art as a business, and this is why I always take opportunities whenever I can. I try to learn as much as possible and see how I can grow my business. And um, obviously, this is why I, uh, I I did my own research and started creating NFTs because it's a no-brainer for me. I, I would say that you need to understand 
you don't need to be technical, but you need to understand at least a general idea, to have a general idea about the technology. Uh, at least, what are you going into? Like, I get a lot of questions from artists. They don't get that it's a smart contract. It's a certificate of authenticity. It's your signature. Um, it's not a new or a new style of work. It's not a new... Um, art for you you it's your own artwork or your own uh, uh, videos you do music whatever digital asset or not even digital whatever art you do you just need to figure out how you're gonna create an nft for it's you don't have to uh, let's say and you don't have to make it digital you just you can upload an image of the work and create the nft for this so at least they need to understand the, that the NFT is not the art, it's the, the contract for this art, right? Um, so there, there are a minimum uh, understanding that uh, any artist need to know. They need to do a lot of research, um, obviously, how to get a wallet, what is the blockchain, what kind of marketplaces there are, where to where uh, to mint, where they fit best. And I I think if uh, if they have their own style, if they are um, unique in their own work, they won't have a problem shifting and creating NFTs for their work. So it shouldn't be um, a problem. I think first you need to have your own identity, your own style that sets you apart because, you know, it's there's a world and the sea of artists and arts and NFTs. So you need to be a kind of uh, a true to yourself, to your style. And then and then I, I'd say I encourage all artists to adopt this technology as soon as possible. The, the faster, the better. <laughs> even though it's still a little bit uh, complex, but it will get easier with time and with more whenever um, we have uh, a mainstream adoption from artists, more collectors will adopt it as well, and then it will become easier, I think. The technology will become easier to uh, work with, to talk about. It sounds like it'll be easier also for people collecting and uh, buying and collecting artwork to know that they're not getting a fake, which of course has happened in the art world for centuries where you get a fake Monet or you know a fake Picasso. Now you say, well, here, here you go. There's the certificate. You are the real owner of the very real thing. Exactly, and it works for both, for the artists and collectors. They, it's, they, it's very transparent. The transactions are secure and safe and very transparent. And you get, obviously, the originals and the artists will uh, preserve their rights okay no one can claim this is theirs they cannot copy anymore and save and uh, i have my work i've seen my work even where i in in dubai in in malls they printed them and they are selling them so um, i'm not gonna follow every every account or every uh, mall or a shop who wants to print but then again this is not the original work this is a copy this is a fake uh, and yeah, so, you know, along those lines, um, because we're talking about a sale of an individual unique item, but you have mentioned you've done some series. Uh, one of the things that uh, voice artists have to negotiate in doing a performance is what they call usage rights. Like for me, if I do a, a voiceover for a commercial, then we have a specific pricing 
tier scale, what you want to call it, for how many times a client can reuse the work, where they can use it, how much I get paid for each use. And oh. even though an NFT itself is, is just as non-fungible, do you see the metaverse also offering you a, a usage model? Uh, do you see something like where you could you could set up an NFT and say, okay, you have the rights to use this during this time frame in your virtual exhibit or or for these particular dates, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think we can with the smart contracts. You can you can set whatever you like. I think <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know, but yeah. I feel it can it can happen. Would you like that if something was offered like that where you could yeah, you could sell the ability to rent. hang your work during a virtual online event? Yes, of course, I would rent my work. <laughs> you Maybe can that's rent. one of the next things that's going to happen then. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, there are a lot of ideas. And then, like for me, I'm from a point of view of an artist. So I think of NFTs uh, for the six last six months. I'm thinking about it as an artist, I'm building a series and uh, which marketplace I would like to work with in the future or in the near future. But now it's, I have this idea. Now you can work on projects, right? It's not just a series, it's not limited editions. Now you can create a project around NFTs and around some of artworks that I can create so that's a whole different game as well and uh, I'm very excited to uh, ex uh, to explore this a new <laughs> a new um, projects yeah oh tell me tell me a little more about the nature of projects can you give me like an example this this is actually kind of fascinating to me well yes it's shifting actually and you can shift to for example like creating uh, a whole new experience whenever you buy an artwork it's not just uh, owning the artwork itself you get uh, experiences behind when you get this for example this nft so these there are many projects um, i'm thinking about them still and uh, hopefully i can share with them later with you obviously and with uh, <laughs> with everyone I certainly look forward to seeing where you're going to go with that. It sounds like as a pioneer, you're continuing to blaze your own trails as well yeah. in this new space. <laughs> <laughs> so I, along those lines, though, I was reading about a company called Fabricant. They're a digital fashion company that creates fashion NFTs that can be traded or worn by video game characters. And they did that in cooperation with Atari. So I'm going to come back to the digital art virtual space thing. So could you see yourself, for example, selling digital art that I could hang on the walls of my casino penthouse in Grand Theft Auto Online? Definitely. Definitely. Oh, it's super fun. Why not? I would love it. Uh, and they, they, there's also a talk about like having virtual galleries, but this is not new. But virtual galleries in the metaverse or in the in the game or I don't I know what. Yeah, it's super. It's very nice. Why not? It's uh, new. It's uh, I, I don't mind. You know, um, experimenting. Just see what uh, what how we can push the limits and just do something different. Always staying true to what I do, obviously, <laughs> and to the style that I created. Yeah. Yeah, and you use the word metaverse. I love the way you use that here and in other interviews because if you think about, for example, the fabricant thing, 
This company, Fabricant, had to partner with Atari to have a space to go into. The metaverse as a whole has to do with the fact that we have a consensual digital online space. And so we're kind of hinting a little bit at that old cyberpunk thing that William Gibson talked about called The Matrix, where we had one common space to go, but we don't have that yet. When we get to the Internet, we have a browser, but we don't necessarily have a virtual reality presence in the Internet like the movies and the books back in the 80s and 90s led us to believe what happened. But it really does sound like you're already thinking ahead to that moment. That's probably going to happen as virtual reality and augmented reality become a lot more common. And when you interact with people, you need some sort of guarantor like the blockchain to be sure that what you're doing is legitimate. It's really fascinating to me because it sounds like at a certain point, Fabricant wouldn't need an Atari. They could cooperate for a little payment to make things unique in Atari space. But overall, you could have a Fabricant fashion show or your own wardrobe in that sort of a system. Have you thought about that kind of thing? Yeah, it's still confusing a little bit when we say um, the metaverse, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> where do I go? Okay, there's Decentraland, there's, uh, I don't know, other, uh, there's a lot other, <laughs> I don't know what to call them. Are these, they are not browsers. I don't know what to call them actually. So, but yeah, it's the whole world that is not real. <laughs> yeah, and, and along those lines, what do you think draws people to buy intangible objects that live on the blockchain? What do you think the fascination is with that? Well, yes, I have to bring my kids and maybe they can answer you. So my kids, I have a seven-year-old boy and she and Amy, she's four. And both of them, they don't get, they don't want gifts anymore. They don't want the physical gifts anymore. They want Roblox so they can buy things, the, the skins and all that to play with. On the metaverse, so Roblox, they have the metaverse, <laughs> one metaverse, <laughs> Roblox. So I, it's, you know, um, it's a one, one thing is like where, when you're owning a f- designer uh, clothes and bags and it's, it's so showing off your things, your new things. So we are taking all these things with us to the metaverse, obviously, to the uh, virtual world, to the games we are playing or uh, it's the same same uh, way we feel about uh, owning things in real life. It's about owning things and the metaverse. Yeah. There's no other uh, explanation, I think. It's about owning things. I, th- I think you've hit it right on the head because when you said that, it reminded me that I'd already seen this lesson in practice a while ago. Uh, a long time ago, I played The Matrix online, and there was a... There was an in-person event that the game was going to host. And I knew people who, because if you bought a ticket to the in-person event, your character would get a pair of jeans that they could wear in the game that was a very specific pair of jeans so that anybody in the game could see, oh, you got a ticket to that thing. Did you go? And I knew people who bought the ticket with no intention of going. They just wanted the virtual item to be able to put on. Yeah, so you show something that you are not special, but you are part of this, uh, you're a member of this uh, group or, uh, you know, so, yes, so this is, I think people want to belong to a a category or a specific um, club or I don't know. So this is human nature. Uh, They like to own and to show, show off and yeah, to... 
And how old are your kids right now? Um, I have a seven and a four. Seven years. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Mine's 22, but I remember those wow. days. <laughs> yeah, but they are, you know, they, it's, so, um, it's so natural for them uh, using the technology, the, how they play, how they are building their own community um, with their friends while they are playing. It's, yeah, it's, they are natives, actually, so... Can you imagine as an artist, because I know the nature of an artist really cuts to the core of your being. It's who you are, even if you're digging a ditch or filling out a form, you're still an artist at your core. Can you imagine what it would have been like for you at that age if you had had a medium as easily accessible as Minecraft or Roblox, where you could just have an open digital canvas to create? Yeah, and this is now like um, my son, if he's... He tries to do some coding to create and to, to hack into these games where he can collect uh, a rare uh, pet or uh, this is what they are into. So, yes, uh, definitely. It's, it is very creative, very wide. It expands their brain. I'm, I'm totally uh, with letting the kids play. This is their, this is, um, this is for them now. This is their toys now. Like we had different toys, different games, but this is for them. This is uh, this is a uh, natural. This is what they uh, they they are born with it, right? That makes sense. There was an article in Wired a magazine that actually talked about you, and it also mentioned things that such as this generation of kids, the millennials forward, have grown up in an era where the internet is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's always there. It was never not there for them. And as a result, they are learning to value not only their presence in the real world, but the online presence that they're building. It's very strange to us, I think, because now you have to try to grow up in two different ways and in two different places. And one of those places doesn't necessarily have all of the safety, safety nets that being home with mom and dad do. But at the same time, they understand it on a level where they know, as you say, your son is wanting to dig in a little bit more into the code. Or another child might be just wanting to build something that really gets people's attention because it's visually interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally like, uh, I, can, I can understand why they want to play. I can understand how they feel they belong to this community. They are, they are the kids they play with. So, um it's totally natural, and I don't feel it will, uh, at the end, when there's a limit uh, for them to play, and then they will go back to nature. It, I don't think uh, it will take over their lives and all that. I don't believe in that. Um, it's the new world, it's, and we have to, we actually, as uh, the, the adults, we need to, we are immigrants, let's say, to this technology, and we have to adapt. But for them, that's it. This is how they were born. And that's, a, that's a very good analogy when you think about how folks older than our generations struggle a little bit further because they're a little bit further removed from this and their journey is a little bit harder because things have changed so rapidly versus a child who grows up knowing that everything is fairly in a state of flux as it's sorting itself out. Yeah. There's not as much permanence there, I guess. And that's interesting to me because you've, you create physical objects like we have ancient paintings that get restored from time to time and they're permanently there. 
but now you have something digitally that is permanently there at the same yeah. in the same way, even though it's yeah. not physically real. <laughs> yes, on the blockchain. Yeah, that's super. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've made your mark in real and virtual history. Yes, yes, it's super. So you did say that I had a quote from you in an interview where you mentioned your art will evolve as the technologies evolve. And that's really huge when you think about that fairly static nature that I was getting at about physical art. So just out of curiosity, where do you think that we're going in our digital evolution? Do you have any thoughts about the future? Uh, I, I do. I do. I dream about things, obviously. But uh, for me, at the moment, I'm trying to experiment how it can um, work. Uh, I, I, as I say, I, I create uh, static obviously artworks um, i'm looking into doing a more animations maybe like because uh, it's something new for me that i would love because i would love to play with music also and then with the virtual um with the virtual world and then how you can maybe go into one of my artworks let's say and then this is something that and you create a world from this Painting. This is something I would really love to have. Or <laughs> so now you. We've been to many exhibitions, virtual exhibitions, where you see the projections all over the the walls. It's really immersive, yes. really nice with the music also. Um, so for the near future, I'm aiming to something like that. I would be happy to do that. Uh, like and, and yes, so you can go into and then the exhibition is just a projections with the, playing with the music and then the, something like that. I would love to do. It's different. It's nice. It's digital and uh, yeah. I I live near the Salvador Dali Museum in Saint Petersburg, Florida. Oh. They did one of the immersive the Van Gogh Alive exhibit. Yeah, I've and seen. I didn't know what to expect until I walked in the space and then I was really blown away at how as you say being immersed in the artwork it's not just oh you're going to go see a slideshow of projections on the wall it's an entire experience that it fascinated me because you're immersed in the images as they flip by but other panels have quotes from Picasso's journals that tell the story or they'll have a short fade in that explains what you're looking at and it's amazing because now, just like augmented reality, I'm able to get all sorts of information about what I'm looking at as I'm observing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really nice. I've seen two uh, shows, similar shows, here in Dubai, and they are just amazing. I just I I only can picture my artworks, you know, <laughs> playing around, and then the music and all that. It's, it's beautiful. And it sounds like you really have a good sense of that that scale between here's my unique NFT item that I've created, here's a series of 24 prints that I have made, and it is a limited numbered series. And not everybody knows that, and I mention that because on the subject of Salvador Dali, I know he learned that lesson the hard way when at a certain point in, in his career, he decided to stamp out as many posters as he could and said, if I sign this, it's officially an artwork of mine. And it's interesting because what he was doing was ahead of its time and he did not realize it. But at the same time, I'm not sure the world was ready to take things on a mass produced level as you're referring to when you go into the shopping mall. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, um, yeah. And now, actually, with the NFTs, we are going back to get, giving the scarcity and then the uniqueness and or, or the originality of digital art. So you know, it's like it's always. Uh, repeating the <laughs> uh, it's repeating itself you know the history whatever so we went from uni only having originals to a lot of posters production and uh, mass productions and then to appreciating orig um, only originals and now digital took over but then we wanted it to be unique again so <laughs> it's kind of amazing to me because it really it sounds like because we want, we all as artists, as creatives, we want the world to enjoy our work. And so, yes, you can see it in a shopping mall or you can see it in an image search. And a lot of people can do that. But the right people see they the will. value of you and the, the limited set. And those are the people that are excited to be able to be part of a limited run or a unique one of a kind. And that, I think, creates a very special relationship between you and the person who buys your work that probably probably makes it very much worth it, honestly. Exactly. It's very, it's very um, rewarding, actually. And uh, as I said, like copies of my work doesn't bother me anymore. Uh, it bothers sometimes, but, but sometimes, but now uh, I'm over it. Uh, uh, people who knows me, you know, knows my work, who appreciate the work of the artist, they will not go and get a copy. Uh, at the end, it's just a copy. It's not the real work. Um, and one thing about the NFTs as well, and how how you, artists are directly uh, selling to collectors, and this barrier is lifted. Like you don't need a third party, you don't need galleries, art agents anymore. So it's in it's like a, a very beneficial for uh, artists. Uh, you build your own community. You will you will interact with the collectors you are selling directly so this is this is uh, a whole new game for the artists and, and you know, a, a wider not a wider market it's a it's a worldwide open like the world opened up to all the the artists we're not limited to our um local scene or um you know so we have a whole new uh the, the world uh, to appreciate our art <laughs> And that's an interesting point. We were talking on our prior episode to Eric Spivak, and we, we'd mentioned how in the early days of stock trading, you had to have a brokerage and a broker who would handle the transaction for you. Then along came E-Trade, and that was a disruptor that enabled mm -hmm. other people to access these things. The same, of course, has happened with crypto. You had people who could mine things, but only with very specific understanding and knowledge. And now we're at a point where you can take advantage of the blockchain much easier. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, and um, hopefully it become easier and easier uh, with time. It, it's a bit overwhelming, kind of like, and, uh, and it's complex. Because uh, I'm, I'm, as I'm saying, I'm looking into uh, different kinds of projects to take advantage of the blockchain and this technology, but it's not easy, you know. You need a lot of research. You know, I feel that give it some time, it will not be that. It will become easier. It will not be this complicated. And uh, so it's uh, yeah, looking forward. It's something like uh, I wake up every day. There's something new, you know. So it's it's amazing. 
And I'm not going to ask you for any spoilers because I just can't wait to see where you go with this. <laughs> but I'd like to take a step back, if, if you don't mind. Could you tell us a little bit about... I'd love to talk more about the two series you did. You have Beauty in Diversity and Beauty in DeFi. Yeah. And going from one to the other, what did that feel like for you? You created the one and then you came up with the other. Tell us a little bit about going from that, from the first to the second, both of those, if you would. Yes, sure. So Beauty in Diversity, it started, this is my first collection or first series uh, with this new style that I created like four years ago. And this is the style that um, made it possible for me to become a professional full-time artist, let's say. It, it's in my business now. And I started listing um, on Instagram some of, my, some of my work. These were digital. And before the NFTs, I used to print them, as I said, on canvas to to show them to people, right? So I started with listing them on Instagram and I started getting orders uh, while I didn't even have a proper supplier at the time. I didn't have the right canvas to print on. So wow. it, I started getting a lot of demand and I needed to work to create because it's a newfound style that obviously appealed to a lot of people. And I had some artworks and then I started growing this collection. They all started under beauty and diversity. Uh, I wanted to create a story for every artwork, so I did that. And then it started growing. And then six months later, I was working with a gallery with two branches uh, of a, one gallery in Japan, in Tokyo and Osaka. And they were ordering every month around 11, 11 to 20 artworks every month. And then I had a lot of demand and I needed to create a lot of work. So this is why I wasn't painting a lot. I was more focused on the uh, digital art, creating series. So I started uh, under Beauty and Diversity, I started creating uh, mini series, let's say about the feminism, ballerinas, uh, um, uh, mystic uh, voices, which is about physical, uh, like uh, um, mythical uh, 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 proverbs. And um, so I started dividing these work and growing each of them. So I had like this big umbrella called beauty in diversity. It's how I see um it's like my message. The one thing that is common in all my work, it's always, I always try to see the positive, to bring a positive message in my work. Even if I'm talking about a deep or a subject, I always try to find something nice to look at, to feel when you look at it. Um, and uh, this is beauty and diversity. And now when I wanted uh, to start uh, creating NFTs, uh, first thing I've done is uh, I started accepting payments on my website uh, just to you know to adopt this technology to say I'm in I'm, I'm I am into the crypto world I accept good cryptocurrencies you can pay me and meanwhile I started building beauty in DeFi which is the big umbrella for the first series that is um, only available as NFTs. Now, obviously, I have Beauty in DeFi, which is all uh, about the lexicon and the terminology of the crypto world. And um, now I'm going to create something different, another series, and then it, it will follow how I did with the beauty in uh, diversity, I think. <laughs> we have different series under one big umbrella. That's amazing because 
you had to learn a whole lot in a hurry <laughs> and yeah. you did it. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm doing the same with the NFT. So I've done that three years ago with the traditional and the paintings and all that. And early this, this year, I was launching a new, the Psychomachia series, which is all uh, painted and it took 11 months to create it. It is a big series, but because during the pandemic, I had a lot of time. I moved my studio in at home and I started painting from home. So I had, I was doing eight hours, 10 hours of painting. So I was able to paint finally. And nice. I've done a big series, a 20, 26 paintings, large, large uh, pieces. And then I was promoting for that in February. And then I had to take over, to take and learn about the NFTs at the same time <laughs> within a month. NFTs took over the tra my traditional work. It's like the media, they were all about NFTs. Um, they were interested to know, to learn. Uh, and then for them, the traditional paintings, it's like, okay, it's regular now, okay? We have the exhibition, it is there. We can, we will pass by, we will see it on the walls. We will read about it and all that. Now they are all fascinated with the NFTs, with the digital ones. And if I provide, if I give physical tokens for these NFTs, if it's only digital, so yes. <laughs> and it is worth noting here for those who aren't familiar, for those who are not artists, just to give an example, when I was in college, if I had a painting assignment, I would have maybe 10 days to two weeks to complete the assignment. And it would be 40, roughly 40 to 60 hours worth of physical effort just working on the canvas. And that doesn't change when you're in Photoshop. If if I were to bring up something elaborate that my, my daughter had done in Illustrator or Photoshop, and that's not even animation, you have 20, 30 layers. Just because you're using a different platform or tool set doesn't change the complexity and the amount of labor that goes into it. Like you say, you're, you're doing this at home and you have eight to 10 hours a day. And that doesn't mean at the end of the day, you've got eight to 10 finished works. You, it's a lot of effort for, for people to create. It's, it's the same for, I think, I think about art, it's just different mediums. How you present it is different You're using technology, let's say, or using technology to create it. But then the creative process is the same. Say uh, I have a process, okay, it takes maybe more time for me to paint than to create them digitally. But that doesn't mean it, it's less than this. This is the same person who has, uh, who, who's been through the whole process of creating it and thinking about it and all that. And uh, they, these are complex, very complex softwares. And I, I created a process out of these two, two softwares. And this is not what they do, actually. I made them do something that works for me. So, so I, it's not like uh, there's no codes there that you can, uh, it's not um, easy to just, uh, you don't press enter and then the artwork is here, right? <laughs> so if only. <laughs> I get yeah. that as a voiceover artist, because a lot of times a client might say, and we hear this a lot from my colleagues, you know, well, you got that done in a couple of hours. So how hard could it be? Because it was just a couple of hours. And you say, you're not paying for me to give it to you in a couple of hours. Yes. You're paying for the thousands of hours that went into training and building a facility and getting the equipment and taking the skills to use it. It's it's everything that leads up to that point. You're paying for a lifetime of experience and care and vision 
and, and, and of course, in your case, uniqueness. Exactly. Yes, yes. exactly. It's, it's, not, it's not man hours anymore. It's about what you are getting at the end, right? And what it took to get there, what it took to create this process, whether it's paint in uh, with acrylics or digital or it's just the other thing is the medium. It's a preference whether you like it printed or whether you want to see the brush strokes. That's different. It's a matter of taste and preference. But yes, it's uh, yeah, fine. You said it. You said it beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, because all creatives go through this. Yes, it can be very hard for a non-creative person who admires creative work to understand all of the actual effort and that long progression. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of which, what I'll do is I'll go ahead and wrap us up here because I've, I've kind of covered everything, but I want to make sure people know how they can go view your work and access your information. So I'm going to take a moment and just spell out the basics because we're on a spoken medium and I can't flash this up on a screen. So Crystal Bahara, did I say that correctly? Bishara? Yes, thank you. And I'm spelling that because it's K-R-I-S-T-L-B-E-C-H-A-R-A. And her website is ateliercrystal.com. That's the French word for artist studio. So I'm going to spell that one as well. Sorry if you're getting impatient. Maybe hit the skip button. A-T-E-L-I-E-R. K-R-I-S-T-E-L dot com. If you go to that website, yes, it's a fantastic, it's not only the ability to purchase directly from the artist, but you can read all of the stories behind the works. You can look at all of the different collections. I, I love the way you've got your website put together. It's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I, I try to have the limited editions, to have the NFTs separately, and then the originals, so yeah. There's a lot of work there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I certainly encourage people to go explore it. Yeah, uh, my name's Trenton Bennett, by the way. You can find me at trentonbennett.com. Bennett has two N's and two T's, so it's T-R-E-N-T-O-N-B-E-N-N-E-T-T. I do voiceover work. I do a wide variety of projects. If you need anything for your voiceover needs, I'm there. All right. So I really, I very much appreciate your time, Crystal. Did you have anything else that you'd like to offer as advice to people who are looking to get into collecting digital art and NFTs? Oh, yes, definitely. Do your own research. Whether you're an artist or you're a collector, just um, I think uh, when buying an artwork, you need to be uh, to, to love some, some things in artwork. Uh, just uh, feel that it talks to you in a way. This is why you buy into art. If, if it's an investment, it's a whole different thing. You need a whole different research. And for artists, they have to... Um, and advice is as soon as they can, they need to adopt this technology and the faster, the better, because um, it's, gro it's growing at a very fast pace. And uh, obviously, whenever you start earlier, you reap the benefits, obviously. And if you're fortunate enough, you can find one of the individual members of the beauty and DeFi and own a personification of the very medium in which you're getting into. So there's that, too. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Crystal. I really appreciate it. This has been the Digital Crypto Art Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thank you, Trenton. Uh, it was lovely and a lovely talk. <laughs> I hope we were informative in a way and uh, yeah. Thank you for listening to the DCA cast, the best podcast for all you digital crypto art lovers and creators. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on Instagram at digital crypto art in Facebook groups and on our website, digitalcryptoart.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and get great information about DCA. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode.